Hey, this is Laura Jones, and you're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9, worldwide at krcl.org. Welcome to 2022. Earlier today, I headed down to the new KRCL studios that are getting wired up, and hopefully we'll be live in the studio by the end of the month with our community co-hosts back and taking a more direct role in the show for this year. We would love to hear from you and the ideas, the people, places, and things you want to know more about or shine a light on, the nonprofits, the causes, the rallies you'd like to support. You can do that by sending me an email, radioactive at krcl.org. For tonight's show, I'm turning the time over to Dr. David Derizotis. I'll be back with him, though, and a panel on the year that was and the year that lies ahead. I think we round all the bases when it comes to being positive and, as Dr. Dave says, being somewhere in the middle when asked how you're feeling and also acknowledging that not everybody does great this time of year, that many of us are experiencing loss in so many different ways. So let's get started with Dr. David Derizotis, Director of the Peace and Conflict Studies Program in the College of Humanities at the University of Utah. Welcome to our guests, and I happen to uh, know all of the guests tonight uh, for our New Year's uh, 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 resolution program. And I have to say that I admire and like all of you very much in that all of our guests are also activists in our community who don't just talk about things, but actually are all involved in trying to make our community better. So uh, in, in order to meet them, I thought you all could introduce yourselves better than I could. And um, when, when you introduce yourself, could you just say your name and kind of what you're doing these days on campus or in the community? And then here's your question. Um, when you were a young person, like a child or adolescent, what do you remember about New Year's resolutions? And was there anything you liked or didn't like? So again, name what you're doing these days and uh, childhood or adolescent memories of New Year's resolutions. And uh, Liz, thank you for volunteering to go first. <laughs> okay, well, no pressure. So I'm Liz Salas, and I am the Associate Director of Community Engagement at Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation, where I have the privilege of connecting with people who are utilizing our recreation centers, ice centers, visiting Wheeler Historic Farm, and also enjoying our parks, trails, and open spaces. I also get to tout all of those great things to the public and make sure they're aware of all of our offerings as well as our hours. So uh, that is what I do. As far as New Year's resolutions as a child or adolescent, I probably made them, but I don't really remember. Um, so probably I, I think I would have made a resolution to try to remember more. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you remember, Liz, uh, your parents or anyone else making them? And did you think they were cool or dumb? Well, it always seems like it's like fitness related, right? So that is, uh, it seems to be like one of the number one or like um, spend less time at work. But my dad worked from home. So that would mean he'd spend less time at the house. <laughs> got it. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Liz, for uh, being a voluntold. And Dr. Parker, would you please go next? I'd be happy to, and, and thank you, Liz, for sharing with us, um, especially about the New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm David Parker, Dr. David Parker, and um, I teach one class at the University of Utah in inclusive dialogue, along with Dr. Dave, where we work with students in how to um, not only facilitate dialogue, but how to develop the disposition to have dialogue with people that they may not agree with and that it's okay to sit in the same space with people you may not agree with and have a civil conversation. In addition to that, I am a consultant and work with organizations and businesses and municipalities and police um, departments, et cetera, on how to um, improve the culture of their organizations to make it more inclusive. And um, I, do, I do that. And, it's the best of jobs and at the same time, the worst of jobs to have. It's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Regarding New Year's resolutions, when I heard you say that, David, I thought back to conversations that my mother would have with us around New Year's Eve. And my mother was a nurse in a hospital in, the, in hospitals in New York City. 
in her approach to New Year's resolutions was think of something you wanted to do very well this year and how you could improve it for next year. Just pick one thing and we would all talk about whatever that one thing was. And that's what I think of when I think about New Year's resolutions as a child. Thank you, Dr. Parker. And uh, Dr. Matheson, do you, do you mind going next? Not at all. Uh, thank you so much, um, uh, David, for the invitation to be part of this panel. You know, it's a busy time of year, but I saw who was going to be on the panel and I simply couldn't resist being in such good company. And uh, I'm really honored to be here with my University of Utah colleagues, Dr. David Derezotis and Dr. David Parker. And what a pleasure to meet, meet Liz Solis, who I've, uh, about whom I've heard so many wonderful things. And, and uh, again, it's just a pleasure to be uh, with all of you. Uh, I do work at the university. I've been teaching here for 31 years in the English department and uh, had a wonderful long stretch in the Honors College. Uh, I also work with an office called Muse, which is uh, dedicated to enriching undergraduate education across the university. And it's been and is very rewarding to, to be involved with undergraduate students from uh, all disciplines. And so uh, I'm also on a number of boards in the community uh, school boards, not the elected kind, uh, boards of individual schools, I should say, and uh, also uh, boards that have to do with the environment and, and protecting it, uh, which, which matters a great, great deal to me. Uh, like Liz, I really don't remember uh, the New Year's resolutions uh, of, my, of my childhood or, or the people around me making them, even though I know that vaguely that that went on. Um, I like the idea. I don't think it's a silly idea at all. I, I just, you know, when I came of age and, and made a few myself and failed miserably in trying to keep them, uh, it, 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 it made me, you know, a bit discouraged about it. And I think, you know, change, whether it's in institutions or, you know, in ourselves is very difficult to, to create. And yet I'm still uh, you know, still on the side of, of the attempt. And uh, so happy to be here with all of you and, uh, you know, with your listeners uh, to talk about New Year's and what might be different in the year to come. Thanks a lot, Mark. <clears throat> and with us tonight, uh, uh, last but certainly not least, is Dr. Laura Jones <laughs> of the Academy of KRCL. You can hear her laughing. And Laura, could you introduce yourself, please? Sure. I do have a doctor's daughter degree, which sometimes causes me trouble. But thank you, Dr. Dave. I appreciate taking part in this panel. I, I'm Laura Jones, and I'm the executive producer and host of Radioactive, along with great community co-hosts like Dr. Dave. I'm also the director of social impact, a new title that uh, is going to take me into new areas in the community in the coming year. When I think of my childhood and New Year's Eve, what I remember mostly is my dad trying to get everybody to stay up until midnight and then get out every single pot and pan in the house and every musical instrument, my dad played the trombone, and make a heck of a lot of noise. We made an unholy racket, I'm telling you. But when it came to resolutions, I remember those being for grown-ups. Um, although, you know, clean my room, be nicer to my brothers, all that kind of stuff was probably on my list. But it wasn't until my mom started observing the solstice when I was almost, you know, fully grown and using that as a time to let go of stuff, writing them down, burning them and throwing them in the fire pit out back, that I really appreciated having some sort of ritual to start the new year. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, Laura. And, I, and I'll just say that... Um, I was struck when I was younger with how um, uh, my parents and other adults around me would make resolutions and then get really frustrated with themselves when it wouldn't pan out. You know, it usually was around uh, things like weight loss or eating better, you know, being a better person. And, um, and so, you know, it kind of motivates me to have this conversation today. So, so uh, just going back to Liz, Liz, would you comment, please? And we'll go around, around the whole group with this question. Um, if you were just going to summarize how 2021 has been for you, and then what you anticipate about the next year, 2022. 
think 2021 has been a pretty good year. I mean, we've had the opportunity for a lot of people to get vaccinated. And so that's been good because that's allowed for a lot more um, return to normal, if you will. Uh, I think that, I, I don't know, I feel like it's been a pretty good year. A lot of people are kind of being more true to themselves. We hear about the resignation, what do they call it? The great resignation. Yeah. And maybe that's because people are saying, hey, I'm going to focus on my mental health or there's a dream job I've always wanted and this isn't it. Or they're probably going to gyms. I bet they're going to our rec centers. But um, <laughs> A way to work that in. Yeah. So I think 2022 is going to be even better. You know, um, I think we're going to see, I just, we're going to see more positive change. I, Laura knows this because we walk and I'm like, I'm always trying to focus on the positive. I think that it's important to do that. That is something I've always done, um, which is not an easy role to fill because when you are, when you ever have your own emotions that aren't positive, then people are like, what is wrong with you? You are the most angry person I've ever met. And it could just be because I'm like, I don't want to go there. So I think um, I'm looking forward to 2022. I do know there's people who aren't vaccinated and have a lot of fears about it. And I'm hopeful those people will come around. We'll get more people vaccinated and everybody can get back to just um, focusing on being kind and not worrying about whether or not their um, neighbor or their coworker or anyone else is either vaccinated or not well because of COVID. So that's my goal for 2022 is to get back to that, that place where as a community, we're just coming together and we're being kind, we're having fun and we're focusing on the well-being of all of us. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Liz. Do you, do you all sell tickets for that walk that you and Laura do for the <laughs> other people? We should actually. We should monetize it. Yeah. I won't be. I can't say on this show because of federal regulations. If we do. Okay. Um, yes, and and we all certainly do respect our federal regulations. So thank you, Liz. So Liz started out with a positive note. David, are you going to continue that? Um, it was. It's exciting to listen to Liz talk about her within her optimistic way of looking at 21 and 22. And I don't want to be a, a downer, but um, I'm going to give my perspective from my professional um, lens right now. And 2021 was a very mixed year, emotionally, physically, et cetera, for, you know, for me. Um, and the way society, way um, local society, national society is dealing with the, um, the longstanding role of racism and how it impacts the lives of um, so many people. Um, racism in schools, in, um, in medical um, situations and housing situations. And um, so that's been a, ma a major part of the year for for me and interacting with people that deny that these things are taking place um, has been a very frustrating um, aspect of the year, you know, for me at the same time. Um, I would love to be in a position to interact with the people that Liz was talking about in regard to the vaccination, because it seems that every time I go around another corner, I'm running into another individual or groups that are telling me why I should not be vaccinated um, as I travel around around the state. Um, and so I, um, I think I'm gonna just follow Liz around for the next, for the first couple of days of the year to interact with those people instead. At the same time though, there's a piece of me that's very encouraged about some things I saw in 2021 and that there are more and more organizations wanting to have conversations about and put action to how to develop their work culture so it could be more accepting to make a, a community that's where people feel um, as if they belong and that they have a part in their organization and they can help from their behavior and their presence to help bring the mission of their organization to life. And, um, and I find that very encouraging. I'm looking forward to more of that happening in 
2022. Creating spaces where people feel comfortable to talk about the things that they are that divide us as opposed to thing, you know, and how to um and how to bring us together. A fear that I have for 2022 is that we might become further apart before we start getting closer together again. And so I, I worry about I worry about that. But I also think in 2022, we're going to begin to get to the point of realizing that um, accepting doing absolutely nothing to improve the situation is consent for it to continue. And um, I'm really hoping that 2022 begins to see a major change in, in that um, belief and behavior um, within people. So whether it's something relate, related to race or acceptance based on someone who someone loves, you know, or um, ex, um, not blaming the victim in a um, sexual violence situation, um, just doing nothing just allows the status quo to continue. And I'm really hoping that 2022 was going to, we're going to see some major changes in that. Thanks, David. How about you, Mark? Well, I really appreciate what both uh, Liz and, and Dr. Parker have said. I mean, I think in terms of the, uh, the deep mood uh, that I've been in for a while, I'm uh, closer to Dr. Parker. Uh, I, I, I too um, have real concerns about our polity and the divisions within it. Um, and um, very concerned about inequality, uh, material inequality, racial inequality. Um, and there's so much work that needs to be done and it can be done. And I agree with uh, Dr. Parker that things can get better. And I really you know, appreciate the work that you're doing Dr. Parker to bring people together who have differences. Because I think right now in our society, communicating across difference is, is, a, is an enormous challenge. And it's a challenge that people are starting to give up on. And, you know, I think of a couple of New York Times pieces that I've read recently. Michelle Goldberg uh, wrote an op-ed in the Times within the last month on political despair and how easy it is to feel that. And, and uh, you know, I think maybe uh, acknowledging it is a, is a wise way to proceed. Uh, there are a lot of setbacks. And one thing that's, you know, really concerned me and it concerns me to this day and into 2022 and beyond is, is um, the vulnerability of the, of the American Republic. Yeah. And we know that it is very vulnerable. We know that it almost, came to an end on January 6th of, of last year. Um, we've learned much more about that day and, and, and that insurrection uh, just in the last couple of months. And we realized, you know, based on this new information, if we had any doubts before that, that, you know, the Republic stood up only because individual human beings stood up and, and practiced a kind of civic virtue, which we don't talk about very much and which may seem to be uh, old fashioned. Uh, it turns out that it's not in the least old fashioned and citizenship matters. And, and you know, I, I look forward to maybe talking more about citizenship in the year to come. I was also reading recently in the Times, I think it's just in the past week, Charles M. Blow, African-American writer I read often on the Times op-ed page uh, said he's done trying to talk with anti-vaxxers. He's done. It's over. Uh, he's just not going to put himself out anymore to have these conversations with people who already should know better. And I, I, I that that brings to mind, you know, healthcare workers in in clinics and hospitals across the country who you know, continue to put their lives on the line to help people who have not been vaccinated and how some of them are collectively, you know, expressing, you know, their outrage, frankly, about, you know, what the position that other people uh, are, are putting them in through what is frankly negligence. And so 
uh, I, I had a really tough personal year in, in 2021. Um, and so that together with, uh, you know, some of the things that Dr. Parker has been talking about in, in terms of our society and our, our politics, uh, it's been a rough go. And uh, I, would, I would hope next year is going to be better and, and we'll certainly work toward that end. Um, I'm not giving up, but I'm not wildly optimistic either because of the depth of the divisions in our society. Thanks, Mark. I always appreciate everyone in this Zoom room is so honest. I've known you all for a, a while and I really appreciate genuineness. So we've all been waiting to hear what Dr. Jones is gonna say. Are you gonna join the Liz Salas positivity group? Are you kind of going to go more with the David and Mark kind of in the middle, good um, and bad? Not sure, but let's see how it goes. So I've been listening and I've been thinking because in my little bubble, I get out so little. My contact is almost, I would say, 75, 80 percent um, virtual like we're doing right now, recording this over Zoom. And I think a lot of our division occurs virtually, certainly not virtuously. Um, and I, for 2022, want to focus more on being in the moment, being in real life with people. And hopefully as we get our hands around this pandemic, we can start returning to face-to-face -to -face contact, which I think is required to get over our divisions. I don't think it's going to be easy, and I don't think it's going to be pretty, especially as we hit midterm elections in the fall of 2022. But I've been noticing that if all I'm watching is the latest Stephen King version of The Stand, which is a heightened version of what we're going through in a pandemic, I'm just adding to my psychic fear of community. And I love my sci-fi. Uh, my drug of choice is escaping through TV and streaming. And I've got to cut back on that and get out on more walks and um, get to those rec centers, Liz, plug, Salt Lake County Rec, Parks and Rec. Um, because otherwise I'm in my own head and I'm not really experiencing real life with other folks because I think we show our best and worst selves online. Uh, there's less of that kind of communal restraint that can happen when we're together trying to figure out problems. So I don't know, was that glasses half full, glasses half empty? I'll leave it up to the listeners. Thanks. Thanks, Laura. And uh, just want to check in. This is KRCL Radioactive, and we're here tonight with four guests, Laura Jones, David Parker, Mark Matheson, Liz Salas, and we're all talking about the new year. And we're going to go back to Laura, who uh, just was speaking. Laura, um, could you comment, please, on, um, you know, uh, whether you are making any personal resolutions for this next year and um, uh, if you want to share anything about that. Well, I think, like I was saying, I want to get outside more because um, for the most of the pandemic, I was actually able to go into an isolated studio at KRCL and it wasn't until Memorial Day earlier this year that I had to come into my studio closet at home. And there have been, you know, three three to five day stretches where I don't leave the house. I don't see another person in real life. Yeah. And so that delayed impact of isolation for me has been a real struggle. And man, I've packed on the pound, so I gotta up the walking. So I guess that health resolution that comes around every year is there. But I, what I wanna do is be um, more intentional about how I spend my time. There's parables in, in uh, the Bible and in different cultures about which angel or wolf you feed is the wolf you get sitting with you, right? Or the good angel, the bad angel, which one are you going to pay attention to? And so I want to be more intentional, intentional about what I do, what I read, what I eat, um, and, and what I say face-to-face. -face. Um, thank you. You know, I've always wondered about that myth because I've heard that too. Why did they pick wolf? Why didn't they go with a tuna or a guinea pig? I think it's <laughs> cultural, Dr. Steeper. Dave. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, and see, uh, Mark Matheson, uh, you want to share anything about a personal resolution for yourself? You know, I was one time speaking with my late colleague, uh, Dr. Wilfred Samuels in the English department at the U. 
And I learned a lot from him. He was a mentor to me. And he said a couple of things that I just think of right now is a means to a, a more hopeful future. And one of the things we talked a lot about education and we talked a lot about what higher education is and what a purpose, what the purpose or what are the purposes of higher education. And he said something I'll never forget and which has really become fundamental to me in my own teaching and that is education is about becoming whole. And what every student, whatever 18 year old who comes to the university is engaged in consciously or not is an attempt to become whole. And so we as educators need to not only be deeply aware of that, but to, you know, uh, conduct ourselves and our practice in such a way that we are assisting, uh, we are nurturing those students uh, along that, that journey. And so in my professional life, I, I want to do that more than I've ever done uh, in the year to come. And we also talked, uh, Dr. Samuels and, and I about being in solidarity against hopelessness. And um, I think honoring his memory by being part of uh, that solidarity is very important for me. So I'm, I'm moving forward on, on the basis of, of those hopeful things. I will also say that I've been recently inspired by Dr. Uh, Vivek Murthy, who happens to be the Surgeon General of this country and, and uh, who um, is very interested in the problem of loneliness as a public health issue mm -hmm. and very much a kind of extraordinary role model, I think for all of us in the eloquence with which he talks about the importance of connection and relationship in our lives. And he said, you know, I've been around a lot of people at the end of their lives. And you know, at the end of life, people are not talking about the power, wealth and status that they recruit mm -hmm. over the course of their lifetime. They're talking about the people they love. Yeah. They're talking about the relationships they've been in. Yeah. And I was very moved to see a national story about uh, Dr. Mersey visiting a high school in San Francisco uh, just last week uh, to meet, and it's a special high school for young people who want to go into the health professions, become doctors. And uh, there were these amazing photos of, you know, the Surgeon General of the United States in full uniform you know, talking with these students, almost all students of color who want to become doctors and nurses. And it gave me some hope, frankly. I mean, it, it gave me some hope that, that um, you know, that those of us who are on the, the far side of midlife might not, I don't even think that Dr. Murthy is maybe there yet, but uh, for those of us who are there, uh, that we can reach back and you know, give young people a hand and help them over the threshold into, into adulthood and, and into wholeness and the quest for wholeness in their adult lives. So right now, that's what's giving me some hope, David. Thanks, Mark. Uh, David? Hmm. That was a lot, Mark. That was a lot to think about. Thank you very much for, for sharing all of that. Um, when you asked the question, David, I, I thought to myself, as I was thinking about this interview today, this panel discussion, I said to myself, I'm not going to talk about anything personal. I'm going to keep this all professional. And I thought to myself, even when we started, you know, yes, by telepathy, I'll let him know, don't ask anything personal. And then you did it anyway. Um, so... Mark I, think you, I think Dave, I think you actually did telepathically let him know that you wanted something personal to come out. <laughs> he, he knew, and that's why he asked. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> but um, Mark had commented that this was a, a rough year for him. And um, I need to echo that also on a personal level. And I sometimes find myself being very critical of myself when um, things aren't repaired as quickly as I'd like them to be. You know, I, I, I have a conversation with 
some educators or a conversation with a group of parents or a conversation with some business folks about creating spaces of acceptance and belonging. And it doesn't happen as, you know, like by the end of the, of the conversation. So I, I find myself very frustrated with that, but my frustration becomes sometimes anger with myself. And that feeling of not being good enough to do the work that I'm trying to do. So I, be, I, I feel that the resolution for myself, and I'm, there might be one other person out there listening to this that might have a similar feeling, um, is to give myself more grace mm. and to give myself a little bit of patience to do the things that need to be done and realize that it's not going to happen as quickly as my urgency wants it to happen. But it doesn't mean that I'm doing something wrong. And at the same time, I also want to take more time to reflect because sometimes without the reflection, because there's so many things happening at the same time, I lose sight of the path that I'm on. So I need to take more time to reflect so I can stay on the, the path that I'm on and be more patient um, with myself and give myself grace to accept that it's not going to happen in an hour and a half um, the way my urgency is insisting that it happens. Thanks, David. Thank you very much for asking a personal question. <laughs> a little dog too <laughs> see what i have to put up with every week okay um so liz you've heard all this wisdom yeah so i feel like i'm sitting at a restaurant with you guys and they're taking our order and i already had my order decided and then i heard everything you guys were going to get so i just ordered it all um <laughs> So like one of the things that I have done over the last few years is I've changed jobs a couple times. And every time I change a job, I make a new work goal. So when I changed a job a while back, I was like, I'm not eating at my desk. I will not eat at my desk. So then the next job I go to, I have to take that old work goal with me. The next goal I made was like, I'm being done at five. Unless it is like a true emergency, I am done at five. Then the next one was I'm taking the stairs and um, broken elevators has helped that one happen the most, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I've kept true to those things. And one of the things uh, with that first one of um, not eating at my desk is it actually created an opportunity for me to connect with people at work. And I will say something that changed this year is I left the Davis County Sheriff's office and I left behind a lot of really great people. And we, a couple of us ate lunch together pretty much every single day. And what a gift that was. And so to Lara's point and all the points that were made, like the gift of time, that opportunity to spend time with people, talk with them, be goofy. Sometimes we would share lunches. So sometimes I'd make the lunch. Sometimes they'd make the lunch. Sometimes even when we did that, one of the people wouldn't eat it <laughs> because, you know, people are peculiar um, <laughs> or set in their ways. And so I think that's important. That loneliness factor that Mark brought up, that helps to address it. And then um, Dr. Parker, like talking about, you know, the culture, like that, that creates a culture when you're connecting with people in that way. So I don't know. I think for me, um, this year, what I might resolve to do more is laugh more. I already do it a lot, but I want to get better at it. And then uh, just getting out, like, it is great to go see people. And I understand not wanting to talk about things when people, it's just so frustrating and you feel like you're going over the same thing, facts over and over again. But I've been reading a lot. I've, I've been trying to understand us as humans for the last several years, Laura knows I've read books I probably would have never read, but I wanted to have a better understanding of where people are coming from. And um, I personally know I need to do better. I have some family members who have very different views from mine. And um, 
that's hard. Like I, it's hard because I, it's frustrating, especially with COVID because I, I don't want them to, to die. I don't want them to be long haulers. I don't want anyone to experience that. And that part is really hard for me because these aren't people who I believe are selfish. These are people I've known for a long time and have loved. And so I'm trying to just really remember that they're coming from a place of fear. And if anyone's done change management work, we know fear is the biggest barrier. And so figuring out how we can help them make a decision based on their heart as opposed to facts, because what we know is facts don't change minds. So I don't know if I answered the question, but I do think that 2022 is a really good year to make hay. And if you're not familiar with that saying, it's Canadian and make hay. (laughs) Thank you, Liz, for that. Um, I'll say that um, uh, humility has been a big teacher for me this year when I don't meet my own expectations or I realize I'm not as together as I thought I was. And um, kind of like what David, you were saying, I think it's so important to be okay with myself when I encounter uh, limitations, you know, because otherwise I'm not very useful to anyone else. And so this this next round is the question that, that Laura Jones and I talked about when we were planning this idea out. And that is, what 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 do I wish that we could let go of, that we no longer... Um, and maybe we never did uh, get much use out of, you know, and there's all sorts of things that can come to mind. I'll, I'll start out by saying that I, I, I'm, I got this from uh, Gilchrist's book on, uh, on neuropsychiatry and kind of uh, the right and left brain dominance in the Western culture. And he said that um, most folks that he knows today in the U.S. have two characteristics that really cause us a lot of trouble. One is moral superiority, and the other is a sense of impotence that I can do anything about the world or my own life. And combined, they're very dangerous. And I can see that in myself and folks around me all the time, every day, you know, and um, just wondering, like, what the medicine for that is, you know, because, um, you know, all that came up for some reason, and it must have seemed to serve us at some point, feeling superior to others around my values, and but also uh, feeling powerless. Sometimes I think that's an excuse for not doing anything, but it could be much deeper than that. So I, I was wondering if one of you'd like to go next. Maybe you've thought about this because we kind of put that question out to you earlier in the week. Um, anybody have an idea about kind of for our listeners around what might be um, something you'd counsel us all to consider letting go of. May I go? Because part of mine is <laughs> is not having the last word. Um, <laughs> so if I could please go first. Uh, <laughs> I do think that uh, we need to let go of be, having the last word, being right. And um, yeah, that I think that's important. And then not being afraid to connect with people who don't share your same views. Because to the point uh, about how, you know, we're so far apart, unless you're a flat earther, uh, the world is round. So the more apart we are, eventually we're going to come back together again. And I'd love to do that on a different continent with other people. I want to travel. Like, I think, I think we just need to let go of that, like, labels. I don't care what your political party is. Are you kind? Are you welcoming? You know, are you, do you do everything you can to reduce barriers and increase accessibility? Get over here, you. I want to give you a hug. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's mine. Thanks, Liz. Someone else? I often think about how I um, feel guilty sometimes when I become overwhelmed with all of the things taking place in my professional and personal um, life. And then I become somewhat stuck in moving forward and doing things that I need to do. And then the guilt starts and that slows me down and it becomes a vicious cycle and it begins to impact one's mental health. So I would really like to work on not feeling as guilty when I feel overwhelmed 
and how to have patience, as I mentioned before, have patience with with myself and those things around me so I could better deal with the mounting problems that are, that that build up around me. Um, In regard to what I think about um, something I think that I would really love to see other people just give up is that whole belief of improvement is not my responsibility. I didn't put the, the, the wrapper of the straw on the ground, so therefore I don't have to do anything about picking it up. But I can complain about all the litter that's out there. That's a simplified version, but um, us, each of us taking more responsibility and improving the culture and climate around us. It may not impact me directly, but I have responsibility to help clean that up. And um, that's what I'm hoping that people are willing to give up in 2022. Nice. Um, Mark, Laura, either of you have something? Sure, I'll go. Um, You know, just thinking about what Liz was saying about the last word, you know, professionally, I I often get the last word on the show. So it's kind of a hard thing to give up, but I, I, I agree with that. And one of the things I've been trying to do over the last year with the show is, is um, uh, channel it more toward what can be done. Um, like Dr. David Parker was just saying, there's a lot I can complain about, but what am I willing to do about any given situation? And then looking at my role and what I can do, because as Dr. David Parker was saying, it can get really overwhelming if I can't do anything. And Dr. Dave, like you were saying, moral superiority and impotence on doing anything, it it can really be paralyzing. So for 2022, I think that's part of, of my goal personally and professionally is to be a helper and to channel attention to the helpers, folks that are working on the issue and getting traction folks that are positively, proactively working to make things better in the community, in my circle, in my family. Because I have, like Liz, a family that's mixed theologically, politically, vaccination-wise. And that can be really difficult uh, when we try and get the whole family together. So my goal is to be that old aunt that brings the macrame and granola and I'm just weird in the corner sometimes because <laughs> once I get going, I can just, you know, shut everything down. I am fully sliding into that. Right, Liz? Yeah. She 100% is there, which I respect. <laughs> but really, you know, yes. And when it comes to a problem, especially in these conversations we have on radioactive, yes, this is the problem. And here's what, a group, a person, uh, are doing about it. Nice. Mark, you got the last word on this round. <laughs> well, David, in, in the tradition now of your remarks about humility, I, I have to say I don't deserve it. Uh, but, um, you know, I've really been moved by everything that's been said here um, by the wonderful company I'm, I'm in. Uh, I, I, I agree with uh, Dr. Parker that, that um, it's hard to keep up one's, you know, sense of personal value sometimes. And somehow we need to do that to be of any benefit to other people. Um, and so I, I, I think that you know, we're in a world where we're kind of flattened out as political actors and we don't bring the personal into our encounters with other people in a way that I think might break up some of the, you know, the barriers that exist between us. And so I'm very bad at letting things go. When you put that question to us, Dr. Derizotes in the in the lead up to this to this panel event, I I honestly don't think I'm capable of letting go of anything. Uh, but what I hope to do um, uh, in the new year is to you know maybe be a little bit more open about bringing the personal into uh, 
into the public space of, of our conversations together. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of strength uh, that we can have a kind of access to in each of us if we are somehow brave enough to do that. I guess I would like to be brave next year. This, can this I, year. Do you mind if I follow up? I don't know why, but while you were talking, it reminded me of a birthday card that I saw. And this will just give you guys insight into my brain. Um, it was like four people holding signs. Four, three of them had a sign that said happy birthday. And then the fourth had a sign that said, I love corn. And <laughs> that card was like, yes, I do too. Like, <laughs> and I want them to have a happy birthday. So figuring out that balance of loving corn and wishing people well, <laughs> you know, I think that's a great place to get to. Maybe it's uh, not corn, but I, <laughs> well, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I, it's, it's an illustrative, uh, you know, birthday card. Uh, in terms of what I'm talking about, I, I think that I just want to share an anecdote from my own personal experience in some ways, you know, I don't have a real stake in this, so I'm not really being personal, but, uh, you know, it was about three years into the Trump uh, administration and I was at a shop down, down, a cleaning shop where I go get my shirts cleaned and had gotten to know over many years, the, the very nice woman who was behind the desk there. You know, and she was clearly a woman that was basically living hand to mouth. And I always enjoyed chatting with her and, and uh, I went in to get my shirts one day and the door opened and the bell rang on the door behind me and this African-American woman of maybe 65 or 70 came in and she, had, she was also a customer who had built up a long-term relationship with this woman who was white behind the desk and who obviously struggled to make ends meet. And our president at the time, uh, President Trump, had just said something very divisive about race. And this woman made dinner and had, was bringing it in to the woman who worked behind the desk at the cleaning shop and she said, I'm not gonna let that man define us. That's a story that gives me hope. Yeah. Nice, Mark. Along well, those lines, if I may, um, I love that story, Mark. That was wonderful. And I, I love corn also. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm reminded of I was sitting with a group of fourth graders because I do a lot of visits to schools. I was sitting with a group of fourth graders and they were discussing some problems in their school and how they wanted to fix it. And then it moved into a conversation about problems in their town. And then they talked about, it just became bigger and bigger. And one very frustrated student in the class goes, it's just too much, we can't do anything. You know? And I said to them, um, you realize that I'm a doctor. And they said, yes, your name is Dr. David Park. And I said, and doctors know an awful lot. Okay. And I said, well, I have a philosophy on how we can approach these problems. And I call it my chocolate, chocolate chip philosophy on improving things. Now I have their attention completely. You know, and I <laughs> right. One day someone gave me this huge chocolate chip cookie. And every now and then when I like to eat cookies, I want to swallow the whole thing at one time. And it's not possible to do that. So what I have to do is take one bite and chew it and swallow it and then take another bite and chew it and swallow it. Okay, so what does that have to do with problems in the world, says one of the students. If we take each thing in small bites, we can approach it and get through it. Or if we break it up and share it with one another, we can get through that. And um, even though it's not a real theory or philosophy, I've used that at least a gajillion times in my family with my nieces and nephews, and sometimes with grownups even. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, but if we take them in bites, we can get this, we can get through this. Thanks That's a lot, David. 
2022, we need to buy more chocolate chip cookies. Yes, yes. And just give them to people. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then corn, too, because you can't really eat corn in one. Like, you have to take a lot of bites. Liz, there there are federal regulations about pushing certain products (laughs) in a nonprofit show. Um, So in closing, uh, uh, in a sentence or less, a wish for the world. Uh, starting with uh, Dr. Parker. A wish for the world that um, we'll become more accepting of one another and accepting of even people that we don't agree with. Thank you. Uh, Lara Jones. I would say along those lines, be more understanding and patient with folks. As we come back together, we've spent the last almost two years isolated and building up causes or resentments virtually. And as we start to see each other again over the fence at the local pub, if you have one, or ward house, um, it's time to be more understanding. Thank you. Um, Liz? Uh, Connect and listen. So it's not one. Listen. 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 Mark? Well, I have to frame this just a bit, but it I, w- I wasn't even thinking of saying this, but David, your question has, uh, you know, moved me to think about it, you know? And it, it goes along with your talk about superiority. I mean, I think that, and with the talks talk that we've been having about the importance of, you know, attending to ourselves and, and you know, taking care of ourselves and somehow keeping ourselves fit for the, for the struggle. And, um, you know, the, 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 I, I'm really interested in people like, who have, who have thought about how, you know, we can't get up out of bed in the morning without a certain amount of self-confidence. That's what Virginia Woolf said. Mm. And she said, what's the easiest way for a human being to generate self-confidence? And she says, it's to compare yourself invidiously to others and particularly to groups, which you in a very pathetic way believe that you're superior to. Thomas More said this about the rich and the poor in his work Utopia published in 1516. Virginia Woolf said this about men and women. Men have had, she says, writing in 1928, this sense of their own superiority to women. If women you know, don't agree with that, men somehow have less reason to believe in themselves. And of course, James Baldwin said this about black people and white people in America. When American white people, he said, you know, feel okay about themselves and don't need a subordinate race to be the source of their own self-esteem, then we're really getting somewhere, right? So I'm hopeful that we can all do that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm suggesting that we don't have to, we don't have to live on the basis of in, in, our, in terms of our psychological well-being, in terms of, or on the basis of thinking of ourselves as superior to other people. And I'll close with Walt Whitman and his amazing poem for you, 1856, in which he says to the reader, which is to every one of us here and to all the listeners out there and to everyone we know, there is nothing more beautiful or powerful or dignifying or great than what waits intrinsically in yourself. And my own understanding of education, which is what I'm hoping happens to the world in the coming year, I'm getting back to your question, David, is that we can help others recognize what waits intrinsically in themselves and to help draw that forward. And at the end of the poem, Whitman prophesies that each of us will get there. The hopples fall from your ankles, you know, the, the, 
the restraints will fall away. You find an unfailing sufficiency. So my hope for the world, my, my you know, wonderful colleagues on this panel, David, and everyone else is that we can all find within ourselves and not on the basis of some kind of pathetic comparison with other individuals or groups, but we can find in ourselves an unfailing sufficiency. Thanks, Mark. And, you know, I, I, I had a small a book of notes I was going to give, you know, profound statements at the end, but I feel guilty now that Liz talked about not wanting to go last. So I'll just conclude by saying that I love all of you, panel, and, um, and maybe that uh, is the most important thing is uh, at the end of life is, is who I loved and who loved me. So thank you um, to our guests, Laura Jones, David Parker, Mark Matheson, Liz Salas. May you all enjoy a plentitude of corn and uh, what was the other thing? Chocolate chip cookies. Corn and, and chocolate hay. chip cookies. And make hay. Um, may, may it flow and make hay. <laughs> And good night. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> Indeed. Happy New Year to one and all. And my thanks to Dr. David Derizotis of the Radical Middle, director of the Peace and Conflict Studies Program at the University of Utah, for bringing his immense talent, experience, and expertise to tonight's conversation. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. I'm going to leave you, since I have a bit of time, with a song to set 2022 on a good course. It's Blessed, Brett Denon, on KRCL 90.9. Sweeps the sky clean and lets the sunshine again. This is the most magnificent life has ever been. Here is heaven and earth and the brilliant sky in between. Blessed is this life. I'm gonna celebrate being alive. Alright, blessed is this life. I'm gonna celebrate being alive. That's Wiggy